Hello everyone and welcome back to Booked. Thank you so much for tuning in to our new episode and for anyone who hasn't discovered us already, please look back on our previous episodes we've been running now for quite some time with probably over 150 or so interviews with the best creatives, authors, illustrators and publishing minds in the business. So do go back and discover what is a treasure trove or an Aladdin's cave of wonderful new and inspiring talent. Today on the show we talk to Paul Finch. Well actually Paul takes over the book studio today and he is in the hot seat interviewing another author. Mm, Sounds pretty gritty don't you think? Well we would say so too because Paul Finch is no stranger to the limelight with the likes of Peter James calling him a born storyteller whilst Rachel Abbott says Strangers his new book coming out on the 22nd of September which is this Thursday people so get buying or downloading and it comes as no surprise for Paul as his first first crime writing job was penning episodes for the bill for ITV. It was here that he learned how to reel the viewers in and of course how to leave them gasping for more. It's a gloriously gripping read, a crime novel which will have fans of the fall hooked from page one. And with half a million copies under his belt, Paul certainly knows how to write good crime. Although he probably is in the running for my job considering he did an excellent job in the studio with Ash Cameron, a veteran policewoman who's also an author of the book Confessions of an Undercover Cop, which published back in 2013. After years spent going undercover, Paul could think of no one better to give the inside scoop as he researched strangers. So what better than to hear from them both in conversation discussing the reality of one of the most dangerous professions around. So I've nothing else left to say other than take it away, Paul. My name is Paul Finch. I'm a crime novelist currently writing books for Avon, uh, who are an imprint of HarperCollins. I'm an ex-copper, an ex-journalist. I wouldn't go as far as to say crime is in my blood, but I certainly write a lot. Inevitably, I guess, there's an awful lot of police stuff in my books, pretty frank police stuff at times. My latest book, I mean, I've written six so far. The first five concern the investigations of a Scotland Yard detective called Keckenberg, Heck, as he became known. The new book, the sixth one, Strangers, which will be on the bookshelves on September 22nd this year, concerns a completely different police character, PC Lucy Claiborne, who undertakes a, an extremely stressful assignment when she goes undercover as a street prostitute in Manchester in her efforts to unmask a female serial killer, uh, a prolific stalker and slayer of men who soon becomes known to the, known to the press as Jill the Ripper. Now... In real life, policewomen going undercover as prostitutes uh, walking the mean streets of urban Britain does happen and it can serve a number of purposes. Uh, It's a good way to undermine the local sex for sale industry if if that's what the desired effect is. It's also a good way to drive curb crawlers and drugs dealers and such out of areas where they uh, aren't wanted. And it's also, as I kind of hope we demonstrate in the new novel, a rather canny way to track down violent and sexual offenders these nameless predators who wander the nighttime streets and often commit their crimes undetected. Now, we're fortunate enough today to have with us the author Ash Cameron, uh, a good friend of mine, who also happens to have served for many years in the Metropolitan Police and who regularly undertook this uh, particularly dangerous line of duty. So, welcome, Ash. Hi, Paul. Nice to be here. Great to have you. Um, Thanks for agreeing to have a chat with us about this. Um, we're going to put a few questions to Ash concerning this uh, 
this rather dangerous um, operation. Going out on the streets disguised as a lady of the night is something we see occasionally in films and television. The public are aware it happens. It's also, it tends to be described by those in the know as one of the most dangerous jobs a policewoman can do. Is that the case? Well, it's certainly not glamorous. And in hindsight, looking back, I see it now more dangerous. When I was actually doing it, I was young, I was in my 20s, and it was a job to be done. I didn't see it as dangerous as it, as it was, really. Did you, did you see it as a kind of um, you know, feather in your cap? You're a young officer, you want, to, um, you want to impress the supervisors, you also want to add different strings to your bow. Is that the way you view it? Oh, that? absolutely. You know, it's one of those jobs that all the girls want to do. And at the time when I served, there weren't so many women in the job. And it was one of the things that if you were interested in that sort of work, that was an ambition. So when you say it's a job the girls wanted to do, I'm guessing this is a kind of voluntary duty. No one was ever shanghaied yeah. into doing it. No, no. And if anybody said, look, I'm really not happy with it, one, they'd be laughed out of the job really pretty much. But yeah. nobody would be press ganged. Well, the good old days. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> how often did you find yourself doing this? Well, it was whenever we had a particular operation on. It wasn't like every Saturday or every other week. It was if there was some violent punters out there that we needed to sort out or dangerous pimps or some paedophiles looking for young girls or curb crawlers they'd really got a grip of the area it was never we had an operation on so a few times a year really so is it a kind of misconception the public have or some of the public have that you're actually targeting the working girls themselves that's inaccurate is well it? we did do that but not so much it was the people the like drug dealers and the yeah. pimps and the violent people really they were the the baddies in this i mean the girls yep yeah, it, it's illegal they shouldn't be doing it but, you know, there's a whole range of reasons why these girls and guys used to do this sort of thing. I hope you don't mind me asking this. What was the kind of form? I mean, you would literally go out there, I guess, dressed like street prostitutes. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to think I wasn't... <laughs> I didn't look like a junkie or anything. But, um, yeah, yeah but you, you, had to, to you had to cut a dash. You have to dress up to dress down. And... You had to attract the punters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when the guys came up to you... I mean, I'm not asking you to give away any sort of operational secrets here, but when the curb crawlers came up to you... Would it just be a flea in their ear or you take the details or you arrest people or...? or... Well, sometimes I'd say, right, OK, well, I'll meet you around the corner and there'd mm -hmm. be a team waiting for them to take them off. To haul them off, yeah, yeah. yeah. OK. I mean, that's quite... I, I guess most members of the public would be fairly happy with that, the idea that, you know, the ones you're actually after are the ones who are abusing and exploiting the prostitutes. But just out of interest, I mean, I, I hear what you say about it was a, it was a job to be done and it, 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 was, it was good on the CV that you'd been out there and done it. Did you ever have any particular trepidations or any concerns, maybe specific to you, about going out on the street? I can't say that I did, really, to be honest. I mean, one thing you didn't do was get in a car, yeah. and that was definitely a no-no. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you'd be armed with a warrant card. Of course. And maybe handcuffs if you were lucky. We had no CS spray, no truncheons, no, yeah. nothing. But looking back now... I think, oh my God, how dangerous! I mean, it must, it must, it was surely the case that there was at least a possibility that a, a young policewoman like yourself could have been attacked. Oh yeah, I mean, there was times when I was assaulted. Right. But it would be like roughed up and nothing you, know. you couldn't handle. Okay, it really leads me on to my next question, which was, were you ever scared? Was there ever any one incident that stands in your mind when you were genuinely frightened? There was a couple of times when it's like quiet and there's only a couple of girls there. And you're not quite sure. You think, well, if they go off on the street, if they get picked up and there's only me here, the teams around the corner or in the two streets away, they might have gone for coffee. 
and you know it's two o'clock yes. and it might be raining yeah, and people, you're thinking oh. people wouldn't believe that sort of thing happened would they oh. but it, it did happen yeah I mean I mean, how close were the support guys if you really need if you really got into trouble a street or two away sometimes literally around the corner you might have a couple on foot yeah but of course we didn't have radios no um, and no. pages were no good in that situation no no so it was they had to keep their ears open yeah you had to have a good set of lungs on you yeah. if, you're, if you're in trouble yeah, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would be fascinated to think of that young girls, what, we're talking in their early to mid-twenties, would be actually out on the streets doing a job like this. Most people who are not in the job, and quite a few people in the job, I would imagine would be absolutely horrified by the prospect of something like this. What about loved ones, family? I mean, would this be something you wouldn't tell them about? Well, I didn't. I mean, my family lived way away from where I lived in London, and they were busy with their life, and it wasn't something I really discussed. And I worked lots and lots of hours, and the way that it was then, the people that you worked with, there's an element, a huge element of trust and camaraderie and friendship, and they almost become your family. So if I had any concerns, I would talk to those people about it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the family, I didn't really want to get into it because they might start asking too many questions and then my mum might worry. And Well, the, and the worry thing, I guess, is what I'm driving at. You have a daughter. Uh, I mean, she, uh, she's not in the job as far as I'm aware. No, I've got two daughters. Okay, neither of them neither are But if they were, how would you feel if they were doing something I wouldn't something want like them that? to do it at all. No. Definitely not. No, okay. Well, that's, that's pretty unequivocal. Um, but you also had to make a relationship, I guess, of some sort with the actual working girls themselves. Yeah. And so tell me about that if you Some can. absolutely detested it. Some, you, you just weren't welcome and they'd snarl, they'd spit. They, and it'd but, be so they, they, they knew you. Did you make sure they knew you were cops? Sometimes, not always, depending on what we were looking out for. You see, if we were out looking for violent punters, for example, yes. they were happy that we were on the streets and that we yeah. were there to protect them. We didn't stop them getting in cars, we didn't stop them picking up clients. We were there purely for the violent punters yeah. and intelligence gathering, really. Yeah. Um, so they, they welcomed that, and some would give you a wide berth and they wouldn't go any near, and they say, oh, you know, the word's got out, cops are on the street, you, you're losing us business. Yeah. But then... You know, other girls would welcome it and they would often tip you the wink on a bit of intelligence or a bit of information. So so, 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 if, if, for example, there was someone who was assaulting the girls and he came cruising along, they would give you a note oh, that this absolutely. was the guy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, so yeah. that was kind of works quite well. That obviously suits everyone. Yeah, yeah. But if you were out there and they didn't know you were undercover officers, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd imagine that they could be quite, they could cut up quite nasty if they wanted to. Well, they could, and I mean, oh. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't have to tell us anything you don't want to tell us. Well, uh, well it, could, it could get a bit gruesome sometimes. Be... And then there was times when I would just have to leave. Yeah. Or some of the other, you know, there might be a couple of girls, a few of us, and we'd have to go. You'd get rumbled or yeah. they'd get a sniffle because you weren't getting in a car, you weren't getting picked up. Well, you no. must be all bill, you know. Would you be moved around to different areas? I mean, if you were appearing on the same block all the time, they'd get wind of you then, wouldn't yeah. they? Yeah, 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 yeah. But by and large, mostly we were there to protect them. Because we see, um, you know, particularly on television, the portrayal of drug-addicted streetwalkers yeah. looking terrible, hanging yeah. around in the middle of the night on their own. I mean, really, it's a very politically incorrect phrase, but we all know what I mean by it, asking for trouble. And to go out there and have to pretend to be that seems must seem nightmarish to some people. How did you kind of make yourselves look the part? I mean, it's, I guess it's not just dressing up, it's about where to stand, how to walk, that kind well, of thing. there's no training on it. No. You just, I mean, by the time you get to do that job, you've been in the job a bit of time anyway. So, being acting, but without an equity card, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to get your performance right. Yeah. And I, I would imagine there was a, back in those good old days, there was a hell of a lot of ribbing from your male colleagues when you were getting ready to go out. Well, there was, but then that sort of settles and it becomes a sort of respect. Yes, of course. Yeah. in London... I mean, light-hearted ribbing. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, the guys were doing it as well, because we had a big rent boy um, problem yeah. in central London. Yeah, of so, course. So, yeah. you know, it works so both ways. So these young, fresh-faced coppers yeah. were getting stick as well as the girls yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
You know, I don't know whether you can tell me anything about this. You told me once, you confided in me, <laughs> that you'd once had to organise a swingers party. Are you able to talk about that? Because that just well, sounds... I was just, I, 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 we must have been interrupted at the time because I never found out exactly what happened. I didn't have to organise it. Right. We had to go to one. And it, looking back now, I think there would be a different way of dealing with it today, I'm sure. Was well, the swingers parties illegal? I mean, surely it's... Well, at the time, um, there'd been a big expose in one of the, the newspapers about okay. this group and it was where people had a membership to this club. OK, right, all right, fair enough. And, yeah, but yeah. a guy we were looking for, he was quite a big fraudster and it was the fraud squad that had come to us and said, look, we need to get this guy. We've done his um, safety deposit box thing, whatever it is, and we know he's a member of this club. <laughs> and it's a secret club, so you've got a secret phone number to ring the second Wednesday of every month and you find out where they're going to hold their sessions. So we had to go to some CD nightclub down in Clapham or Balham or somewhere like that yeah. and go to this nightclub and pretend to be part of it to go and pick up this guy. But me and the guy, um, both single, I think that's why we were picked, because right, we were single, yeah, yeah. and... Um, we had to go and, like, act the part. Well, do you me? Keep talking. So on. I said, right, OK, well, do not leave me. Do not leave me. We started off, we were about a dozen people there, but then they'd come in and people dribs and drabs. And then within half an hour, there was a big guy with a hairy chest hanging out and two Barbie girls on his arm. And there was a couple of grannies. And I don't mean, like, 38-year-old oh, yeah, yeah. grannies. Yeah, I mean, mean proper grannies yeah. with, like, flat shoes and, like, yeah. curly pearls. And they were, there and... To, they were there to get stuck in, Oh, do you mean? And they were having a full live sex session in the corner. So all, oh, this was, all this was going on and you were standing there trying to... Well, we had to mingle, didn't we? So gin and tonics were on the job. And... Um, I mean, and what were the limits? What were your official limitations of behaviour? Well, the guy I was with, of course, both single. I mean, some girl approaches him and her husband's talking to me and I take a diversion to the loo and meet three ladies pleasuring each other in the ladies' loo. So I come out of there and this guy's still waiting for me and then I'm looking at my colleague and he's um, this woman put his mm-hmm. hand up her skirt and it's like, oh dear. So when did the target actually come in? He didn't. Oh my God. <laughs> So, so you ne- three hours, you ne- three hours. Never in your life would you have been as glad to see a gangster come Ever. walking in through. Ever. Uh, yeah. Oh well, you know it's a tough job, but someone's <laughs> got to do it, as they say. Anything else you want that you remember? I mean, there, this is and there must be a million stories, but I oh, mean, there I, is, there go is. Go on, anything springs to mind. Um, anything that you would love to tell people that you up to, up until now you never have. Or there's some sad stories. I mean, like there was one yeah, ga- rent boy. He'd given us some information about a high-profile celebrity guy that was going around cruising around in his big flash car, and we'd got his registration. We knew who he was, and it was a case of catching him. Um, we didn't catch him, but we submitted that through to another department, and that was the last we ever heard of that. Yeah. But this particular guy. He was vulnerable, you know. A lot of these people are vulnerable. Course, That's why yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. And um, the next thing, he's over in West London underneath the tube train. Oh, dear. And, yeah. you know, yeah. that that's really sad. And you can see the decline in some of the people that you're working with. You know, they start of off with sweet people and then the yeah. next minute they're on cannabis and then the next minute they're on crack and anything goes, really. And then there was one old girl who was a lady of the night tramp and she used to um, give freebies to the, um, the other male tramps for kind of tenants and stuff like that. Yeah, that we tried to help them. Well, but that's, that's, the, that's the real grim side it of is it the all, grim really, side. isn't it? You know, it's, it's the road to nowhere, that. Yeah. I mean... I, is the, I mean, really, when people hear that, I, I, the, these these guys who object to it in principle because they think it's entrapment or they think it's just not fair or it's not right that you should be picking on these poor people who are selling themselves because they have to. If they're listening to this, I guess they'll now realise that it's the, it's not actually that's not what it's about at all. No, it isn't. It's a form of protection, really. It is very much to protect these girls. I mean, for that reason, 
Do you think it's a useful policy? I mean, I, d- I don't even know if modern police forces, I mean, you and me are both at the I job a while now. I don't know if modern police forces even do it anymore. I don't know, and there's this big, huge entrapment thing as well that you've got to be careful of. I'm sure it must go on, but it's probably a lot deeper undercover than anything we did. We would go on duty and go from the police station, go on the streets and go and do it. Yeah, I think yeah. it's all, all I mean, a bit different now. In the event of, as in, I mean, we're moving a little bit into the realms of fiction, though we both discussed earlier incidents where it has happened. If you're looking at a killer, someone mm. who is literally murdering street people, mm. I would imagine it would still be a very useful instrument. Yeah, in that absolutely. Fight. I mean, a particularly dangerous instrument. But, it's about uh, keeping your nose on the ground and getting the information, intelligence making gathering, the contacts. Intelligence gathering is absolutely invaluable, yeah. isn't it, in this situation? And the girls are great for that because they do, even if outwardly they might be a bit hostile, yeah. secretly... They're tipping you off and giving you information. Well, like you say, they once they get wise to the fact you're there, you're not yeah. after them, yeah. then um, I imagine it's in their interest. So now we talk a lot about sort of backstreet, backstreet girls and, and drug addicts. I guess that wasn't always the case. No, no. The, where I worked, I mean, you, you had a crossover between Mayfair and Soho, so oh, you'd yeah. have like the street girls and like all around Kings Cross and all around there. Then you'd have the Mayfair girls, which very different. You've got um, like the seedy streets and the poshest streets in the whole of the country. And these girls could get two grand for half an hour's work with a Saudi prince somewhere in the Hilton or the Intercontinental or something. But how did how did you guys get wind of these kind of? Uh, um, well, sometimes there was one particular girl who was a high class, but every now and again she'd go back to her roots and drive around a little convertible and pick up some rich pickings. Yeah. But she was very very good because there'd been an armed robbery um, from one of the casinos and a lone PC had been held up with a. A gun. Right. And she saw this and she ran the two baddies over. So, of course, she was great. She was great. Well, I can say why the police would love her. I'm not sure it would go down very well with the mob. But, <laughs> no, um, no. But, I mean, uh, so would she be in danger after that, do you think? Well, yeah, yeah, for a while. But, I mean, she had enough clientele like she'd fly yeah. off to Dubai for three oh, right, weeks yeah. before so, Dubai was the in place, you so know? So she could call heavier muscle in than they yeah, could. Um, yeah. I mean, really, I'd, I'd imagine, though, when you're looking at the sort of high class escorts who are hanging around casinos and the top nightclubs and maybe posh blocks of flats in Mayfair. I mean, I, I guess there's probably not a lot of police work there generally, isn't Well, there it? isn't, but sometimes there is because, you know, you've got the cocaine parties and of course, all that, yeah, and you'd still yeah. get some of these guys that would really cut up rough with yeah. some of the girls. I mean, the girls, I imagine, would be compliant with you guys after a while, as we've mentioned, but what about the pimp factor? Well, again, they'd have heavy pimps pimping them. Some yeah. of them... But um, how would they respond to you guys being there? Ah, I mean, they didn't like us at all. But they know what side their bread's buttered on. Yeah, yeah, so they couldn't really do anything. Did they no. ever try to muscle you all? No, no, not really. It was very... Well, not me. I would imagine, though, as well, they might be a little bit more concerned for their own. Yes. Because it would be great to lock them up, wouldn't it? Oh, well, I mean, that would be a big operation in itself, living off yeah. moral earnings and all yeah. the rest of it. Yeah. And, um, yeah. OK. They're good, enough. big operations. Yeah, yeah. All right. I could talk about what I wore, if you like. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you that. What did you wear? I know. I don't. I, thought, I was expecting that, and then I must have not answered it or something. Well, I don't go on. Know. Tell us what. Go on. Tell us what you wore. Well, obviously, it would have to be the obligatory stockings and a skirt, short but not too skirt, too short, because if I was bending down, I didn't really want anybody looking up my right. Skirt. Fair enough. And vest tops come in handy, um, and then just like a light jacket. Yeah. And then you know you stand there wrapped around it. I didn't mm. smoke, but I used to adopt the smoking thing. Ah right, yes. For the time, yeah. and, and the a ma- handbag, and the mandatory high heels, of course. Oh, of course. Great yeah, fun yeah, on yeah. the cobbled yeah. on the cobbled streets. The problem yeah. is, I've got size nine feet, so it was quite difficult. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, we just put that in for all all those who were really really fascinated to know. It wasn't. I wasn't intending to ask that question, <laughs> but go on. We, but we it's something somebody it. whenever I get asked, that's one of the things that people ask, and I didn't like the. Fishnets. I didn't do the fishnets. I just did the black. All right. You know. I can understand that. I yeah. can go with that. <laughs> 
Okay, well, thanks for that, Ash. That's very informative and interesting, I hope, and entertaining. Well, I hope um, it was useful. Oh, well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Booked. It's been a pleasure having you guys listen to us, as usual. Uh, as I said earlier, we have a plethora of podcasts, episodes that are just gagging to be listened to. And if you have any questions for us, please tweet us. We'd love to hear from you at Booked Podcast. Thanks for now. 